This podcast is brought to you by VinZero. VinZero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit VinZero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From VinZero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to VinZero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Anne Austin is Head of Sustainability Lendlease Australia and is responsible for leading the development and implementation of the sustainability strategy for all Lendlease businesses in the region. She has worked in sustainability since 2004 when she established Lendlease's first suite of sustainability metrics and has been responsible for establishing a culture that supports a consistent approach to sustainability excellence in all aspects of the Lendlease business. Anne, you've been instrumental in leading Lendlease to develop what is described as both market-leading and ambitious targets. What are those targets? First is the, our environmental target to be a one-and-a-half-degree-aligned organisation. And that means us trying to make sure the way we work supports the world's efforts to try and limit global warming to one and a half degrees. So that means that we have to understand as a property developer and construction organisation, what is the impact that we have and where do we need to to make our operations change so that we can stay a one and a half degree aligned company. So as part of that, we've set ourselves two date-based targets. One is to be net zero in our scope one and two emissions by 2025 and absolute zero in all scopes one, two and three by 2040 without the use of any offsets. And we also set ourselves a social target to create 250 million of social value by 2025. So why were these targets chosen? We had a really interesting journey to arrive at our targets and it started with uh, signing on to TCFD, the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosure, which is a framework that's recommended to organisations to get you to start to think about what your business might be like in a world if it was warmed by, you know, one and a half, two, three, God forbid, four degrees. And to think about that and to be on the front foot of scenario planning. And going through that process, we ran workshops all around the world looking at what happens to us under, we did one and a half, two and three degrees warming because at four degrees warming, a business like ours probably wouldn't exist. And that was quite a sobering experience to look at what the future may be. And from that, it was really clear to all of us that what we wanted was a one and a half degree future and that helped us then be clearer about well what is the target that we want to set and to be part of that one and a half degree movement and to ultimately to sign up to the science-based target initiatives around that. So from an environmental perspective that was a really strong driver for us and while there are many other environmental aspects to our framework beyond uh, you know, climate change, we thought that this was the existential crisis of our time and the, the space that we needed to focus. From a social perspective, it was a, a quite a different conversation. Initially, easier to, to think of ideas, but they got the, the biggest pushback from our employees because initially we started setting targets around 
the kind of contribution that we make, the sort of investment that you make, etc. And it became pretty evident pretty quickly that people were like, no, we actually need to make sure that what we're doing is valuable from a social perspective, that if we're investing energies in social initiatives and social programs, that the community actually want them, uh, that something is coming from them, and so that they're valuable. And so that's where we said, okay, well, we've got to figure out a way of trying to measure social value. So we set ourselves the ambition of creating a certain amount of social value based at the stage on our preliminary investigations we've done about, around social return on investment at some of our bigger programs. And that's how we set the social value target. And we've now been working with the Australia Social Value Bank to help us develop a methodology that gives like a financial proxy to the value of the sorts of social programs that you run. So when it comes to the targets you've set for the reduction of carbon emissions or uh, Mission Zero, how are you achieving those targets? So yes, Mission Zero is quite an ambitious journey to be on and we have a lot in place to help us achieve those targets. So initially we mapped out sort of five broad steps that we knew we needed to take. The obvious things such as, well, okay, we have to remove gas from our standing assets and from our new buildings. We will need to find alternative fuels. We'll need to use 100% renewable electricity. We'll need to work alongside our supply chain with materials and stripping out the embodied carbon of those and also alongside our tenants. So we sort of set some of those broad steps. But then we went into a phase of actually setting up quite detailed roadmaps. They're all available publicly on our website. So for each of our regions, we have an overall summary for the region that maps out by each scope, one, two, and three, what our broad activities will be and a timeline for them. And then behind that, there's a whole series of more detailed roadmaps that are specific to different lines of business. And in Australia, we have over 50 volunteers who are working in a series of cross-business unit work streams to set the strategies to actually achieve those roadmaps. So it's quite a machine. As you can imagine, it's not a small task and it's a big focus for the business. So for other organisations that don't have necessarily the machine required, how would you advise an individual organisation in this sector to determine where they can perhaps make the biggest difference on their own journey? It always starts with understanding first where your impact is greatest. So it's very important for a company to understand what their unique work means in terms of sustainability. So for us at Lendlease, we've got multiple lines of business, but perhaps if you're working in this industry and you're a supplier, you might actually be a manufacturer. And so your unique impact is very different. It's this concept I call key moments of influence. We need to really understand where do we make a difference. And if that's not something that you're absolutely sure about because you've never invested time in that, there I would actually get some consulting um, support in that regard to work with sustainability, ESD, environmental type consultant to help you understand what is your greatest impact so that you can like focus in and zero in on setting some targets and habits around that particular area. I always say, 
climate change is the most important area for us to be targeting action. Uh, there are many facets to sustainability, but if we get this one wrong, none of the rest of them matter. So I think as a minimum, every organisation should understand their impact on climate change and where they make a difference with that and be really clear about what they're going to do to be doing their bit to decarbonise our future. So what aspects of a strategy do you think make it strong? I think a strong strategy is a strategy that's owned uh, by the organisation, by the people and by the leadership of your company or your team. I think it's really important that it has got that grassroots adoption and so that it's not just some sort of marketing uh, brand or a little activity that's happened on the side. So it needs to be fundamentally central to the way you operate. So that for me is really critical. Then that it is actually strategic so that it actually does talk to your key moments of influence and where your impact is greatest and most needed so that it's thoughtful as opposed to borrowed or just doing what everybody else is doing. So that's really considered about your unique contribution. And then the last thing I would say is that it's actioned uh, so that it actually comes with a plan. It comes with people responsible for bringing it to life and it comes with the patience that we're going to need. This is not going to be a linear journey. We don't know the answers to how we're going to achieve our absolute zero target. We are going to try things and fail and try something else and go round and round again. And I think we just need to be really mature that we know where we're going. We're not 100% sure how to get there and that that's okay. So, Anne, what role do offsets play and are there good and bad offsets? So offsets are actually a really important mechanism as we transition to be uh, completely free of carbon emissions in the way that we operate. We've embedded them into our strategy. So our net zero scopes one and two by 2025 will require us in Lendlease to be purchasing offsets for the emissions that we have not been able to eradicate. So it's unrealistic to expect us to be able to eliminate all emissions straight away. We actually don't know how to do that right now. So it would be wrong to then just do nothing, to just say, oh, well, we can't do anything. Offsets present an opportunity right here, right now to reduce global emissions. So, you know, we're really committed to making sure that while we're working towards full eradication of emissions, we are doing our part by um, leveraging offsets. But there are good, bad, good, bad and ugly offsets. Uh, there are sharks out there. There are people out there pretending that they've got offsets and not actually selling anything at all. There was somebody who was, you know, recently discovered, I think in the last few years for claiming to have an offset offering and, and took in loads and loads of money and had absolutely nothing behind it. So for us, we've established some criteria. We make sure that there's an independent third party verification of the scheme. So there are a number of schemes, uh, ACUs, VCRs, uh, that are out there in the market that provide a level of scrutiny that's independent to check that what has been suggested it's happening actually is. So if somebody says that they're growing a forest somewhere, that they are growing it. Um, we have certain geographies that we're a bit more nervous about where the legal frameworks are less mature and where it's possible that somebody might be growing the forest one year and then merrily chopping it down the next. And so we avoid some of those geographies. And more and more, 
we are making sure that a good proportion of our offsets, if not in time, all of them will be nature-based solutions. So trying to also use our climate action to address biodiversity challenges and that intrinsic connection between nature and climate is so obvious. We obviously need to be bringing those two agendas together. So yeah, I think one of the easiest things to do if you're worried about your offsets is to use a good broker and to work with an offset broker to help you define the sorts of things that are you worried about and therefore the kinds of criteria that you should and shouldn't have when you're choosing offsets. Can I ask you now about how important is it to choose local versus global offset strategies? Yeah, so when it comes to whether or not to choose local versus global, I'm a little bit controversial in this space. I think that the uh, local conversation is a little bit of an irrelevancy. Uh, Climate change is a global issue. Uh, It's not like we can solve it in one geography and not another. We have to solve it everywhere. And if we make a difference to emissions in one part of the world, uh, it's no real difference to making a difference to emissions in another part of the world. We just have to reduce emissions everywhere. So from a purist perspective of impact on climate, Uh, I am completely geographically agnostic. It is irrelevant. However, some people are very passionate about also having social outcomes with their offsets, which may come from choosing a local offset and they also may come from choosing a global offset. So the social agenda might drive you down either path. So, for example, you might say in the Australian context, There's a number of Indigenous-run organisations that now have an offset product uh, that might be around forestry management and maintenance, and it's a great opportunity to provide employment for our First Nations people. That is an excellent offering and a fantastic program, and it has both an offset win and a social win. Equally, with a social hat on, you might say, actually, this program over here in um, Southeast Asia where we're replacing dangerous kerosene cooktops or wood-fired stoves that cause ridiculous and dangerous amounts of burns in, in women and children, we're replacing those with solar-powered little cooktop stoves. That gives us a carbon offset because they're not generating as much carbon and a fantastic social outcome around safety and well-being for those families. Right? So there's... The arguments, you could argue either way. And I, I, for me, I'm thinking, let's put our energy <laughs> into trying to just decarbonise. And if you find that you can afford more international carbon offsets than you can local ones, in some ways, that might be better if it means that you're going to actually reduce more emissions with the amount of money that you have. I think in all cases, these are stop gaps. Offsets are at a point in time the best we can do now. Ultimately, we need to continue to move towards removing emissions from the way we live and work uh, as the ultimate gain. Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. 
Binzero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. And just in terms of removing emissions, Lendlease have clear decarbonisation plans in place and have already developed a plan to drive fossil fuel-free construction sites. What can you share with us about that? Yeah, we're really excited about our fossil fuel-free construction site. So this is like the, one of the first steps in our Mission Zero roadmap here uh, in Australia. And we've been looking at what we can do to remove the reliance on fossil fuels. So in construction, which is predominantly in areas that use diesel. So cranes, diggers, piling equipment, etc. A lot of the equipment that is used in a construction activity is currently fueled with mineral diesel and that creates a lot of emissions. And so we partnered with the University of Queensland to do some research into what were our options and when were they likely to be available. And as well, we've also partnered with our mineral diesel broker, a group called Refueling Solutions Australia, who help organisations purchase diesel. And in partnering with these organisations, what we've learnt is that by 2040, when we hope to be absolute zero, it's going to be really hard because not that many of the pieces of equipment that we use will actually be available as an electric option, probably about 60%. Um, So we've got this sort of deficit of this 40%. But what the good news is, is that there's a product that's available in other parts of the world that we can import, but ideally that we can try and generate a local market for here in Australia and have it manufactured locally called renewable diesel which over its lifetime reduces the emissions uh, related to, say, mineral diesel by about 90%. So it's not quite zero, but it's very, very close. And it can be dropped straight into an existing engine. It has no warranty issues. You can literally pour it in straight on top of the other diesel. It comes without any of the toxicity that comes with mineral diesel. It's an absolute game changer and a real winner. And we've committed to running a few what we're calling fossil fuel-free pilots around Australia on some of our projects where we're going to try and use as much electric equipment as we can. So find electric options for concrete pumps and the like, our electric cranes, which are more commonly used. And then we will use renewable diesel for the remainder. So we've just imported our first batch of renewable diesel for the Powerhouse Museum project, which we're really excited about in partnership with Mar Cranes and the New South Wales government there on that one. And we've also got on our one Sydney Harbour project here a number of electric alternatives that we're piloting and testing um, so that we can start to move towards that fossil fuel free construction. And what about the option of reducing carbon emissions through sustainable sourcing? So when we look at the sustainable sourcing piece, that kind of leans into our bigger target around being absolute zero by 2040. So the sustainable sourcing is where we'll start to reduce and ultimately hopefully eliminate our embodied carbon emissions, so the emissions that are generated in the manufacturing process. That's a really tough journey. No one knows how to do that. So we have cement, steel, glass, aluminium. These are all very, very carbon intensive uh, products and they make up the bulk of the sort of scale of construction that we're involved with. 
So we have been partnering on this wicked problem with our customers and our designers, et cetera, through an industry group that we were instrumental in helping establish called MECLA, the Materials and Embodied Carbon Leaders Alliance. It was uh, originally funded by the New South Wales government, uh, WWF, a project managing that, and we're one of the early founding members of MECLA and very heavily involved in that organisation because we cannot do this alone. The only way that we will uh, transform the manufacturing of building materials is together. So we need the smarts of the supply chain. We need customers actually demanding it. We need contractors like us um, passionate about it and putting it on the agenda. We need designers, etc. We all need to be moving in the same direction. We have got a number of relationships with specific alliance partners in our supply chain and we're also working very closely with them to try and support and encourage any innovation they have in the space of decarbonisation. Luckily, a lot of them are starting to really innovate in that space and there's a huge amount of momentum, but it's fair to say there's still a long way to go in the embodied carbon journey, but it's absolutely the elephant in the room. For Lendlease, if you look at all of our emissions, scope one, two, and three together, scope three, as it relates to the embodied carbon in materials manufacture, is always more than 80% and sometimes more than 90% of our emissions that we generate. So this is when I say it's important to know where your footprint is. This is one of the things that it's important for us to understand. And even though we're not manufacturers, we don't make the choices in how the materials are made. We are a party to how they are made because we buy them. And so it's about understanding that influence and deciding to use it for the greater good. So when we talk about sustainable construction, are there any other lessons learned that should be considered? One of the things that's really important on that embodied carbon journey is to make sure that there's enough space and time in the design phase for the supply chain to be involved and bringing their smarts to the table. Often the way we procure at the moment prohibits any kind of genuine value add from our supply chain and or from our designers. And so one of the things we're trying to work on with our customers is if we can get early contractor involvement so that there's more capacity for you to suggest design alternatives, suggest material alternatives, bring the supply chain in up earlier, then we've got a much better chance of reducing embodied carbon. So Lendlease, as you said, are a 1.5 degree aligned company with a mission to be absolute zero carbon by 2040 with no offsets. What is that going to take apart from what you've already talked about? I guess the absolute zero commitment is going to take faith. <laughs> it takes a bit of faith that we will achieve things if we set the flag on the hill high enough and one of the things that has given us confidence with that is our own Barangaroo journey. We started planning Barangaroo when my son was in my belly, and he's now 19, so a couple of decades ago. It's always related to my children. And when we set the targets for Barangaroo, uh, we did not know how to achieve them at all. Um, some of the things that we were setting there about being a carbon neutral precinct and water positive, et cetera, we didn't have a clue how they would um, come to fruition. 
And now some of the targets that we set then look easy and pedestrian and are being baked into normal sort of green star ratings, et cetera. And so I guess that's given us a little bit of faith that if you're looking out to 2040, like we are for that target, that the world will move and turn and that we need to just set the ambition, put it out there to the universe and do our very best to get there. And so it will take ruthless focus for a long time and that's that's quite different sometimes you know we're used to setting short-term business targets and then rolling around but this is our journey now for decades and so it's going to just require that constant energy and us to reinvigorate our journey along that way the whole time so that we stay focused on it. What importance do you place on the culture of an organisation in driving the right social and environmental outcomes? Yeah, so for us to sort of maintain the rage, I guess, over a couple of decades, we have to make sure that we, we embed a culture that takes this on as just part of who we are. If something's in your DNA, then you're not going to lose it when the next trend or whim comes along. And luckily for us, you know, Dick Dusseldorf, who was our founder, he was a, a bit of a pioneer in this space. You know, he's quoted in the early 70s of talking about how important environmental and social um, impact will be for businesses long before anybody even knew what that meant. So, so we've had a little bit of a, a head start. So that cultural piece is really important. And then, as I said, that mindset of possibility uh, I think it's Christine Figueres who talks about that stubborn optimism, that firm belief that you can put something out there that seems impossible and if you give it a crack, you're going to get a lot closer to the impossible than if you put out something that's safe. But the reality is, even though it sounds scary to say absolute zero, that's actually what we need to do as a society if we're going to live in a one and a half degree warmed world. And I don't think any of us want anything else like we don't want global warming and climate change to get worse so we actually have to name what we want and see how close we can get to that and how much of that relates to setting or achieving the goal for 250 million dollars in social value by 2025 Creating 250 million of social value by 2025 has some connection to our Mission Zero, but it also covers a whole suite of things that are unconnected to Mission Zero. So fair to say that any form of focus in the environmental space adds social value. And in many instances, those are some of the things that programs and initiatives that we're running in that space that will be going towards our 250 million social value. But largely that target relates to our corporate programs. So we have a number of programs that our Lendlease Foundation and our businesses sponsor where we've got shared value partnerships with groups like the Great Barrier Reef Foundation, Red Cross, uh, Oz Harvest, etc. And that $250 million target is measuring the value that those programs are creating uh, for the communities that we're working with. So many great initiatives for Lendlease there. So when you think future about the industry, what is it that excites you the most? If I think about the future of the industry, I think what's exciting me the most is the pace of change in the conversation. I've been working in sustainability for almost 20 years now. And when we began this journey, 
it, it the whole focus was just trying to be heard, trying to get people to even notice that sustainability was important. And we have so rapidly shifted. Like in the last few years, even through COVID, there's been enormous change to what's on the agenda. Concepts like embodied carbon, biodiversity, preservation, restoration, etc. These have all just come way up people's conversation um, priority list so quickly. And I think that that's a relief. Uh, and it's deeply exciting that it does show, in my mind, an appetite for there to be transformation in our sector. And hopefully that rapid pace will continue and it will be backed with innovative solutions to support the conversations that are happening. It all starts with what we talk about. So at least we're talking about the right things. Well, Anne, thanks for participating in the conversation. And we certainly look forward to watching and hearing about Lendlease's continued success as you strive towards Mission Zero. Thank you very much for having me and good luck with everybody who's considering going down this journey. We don't want to be by ourselves. So our intent is not to be the leaders, but to be part of everybody shifting and transforming because we all have to do this together. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.